Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 451 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Well, it's February, which now is a whole month of love, apparently. And we are we are taking advantage of that today and talking about motherly love. Yeah, Sarah, I love this topic because I feel like motherly love is one of those sort of vague ideas that can sound a little drippy, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe we can have a more nuanced conversation than that, as we like to do. Well, I would say longtime listeners can be very confident right off the bat that we're not going to be drippy. If anything, I think we like to take these things that can get really uh, cliched um, and come with a lot of assumptions. Like uh, one thing that I kept coming around to when we even threw out this idea of motherly motherly love is that it carries so many like assumptions, like everybody knows what you mean when you say like a mother's love is fill in the blank. It's like very Hallmark card and very laden with like, oh, you know what I mean? You're like. (laughs) You're a, you're a mother, like we're all in the, the same kind of. Yeah. And I think it deserves, I guess, more, um, more nuance than that. And that's what we hope to do today. Also, spoiler alert, we do deeply love our children. So there's not going to be any, out. like a big reveal. <laughs> like <laughs> actually never loved them. They're okay. No, we do. But, you know, as you were talking about the vagueness of it, I was thinking about how different even that experience of being the same human being can feel uh, in different stages of love. There is that very nurturing kind of love that maybe you feel when you've got a baby doing something really cute. And that's very different from the fierce kind of like mama bear love that you might feel when your kid's getting shoved around on the playground. Like there's a lot of different ways those feelings can come out. And they're not always as intense, I don't think, as it's kind of like cracked up to be. Like sometimes for me, motherly love has just been sort of this like 
steady humming thing in the background. Mm, yeah. Not necessarily like a passionate thing that I'm waking up and that's getting me out of bed in the morning. I think there's just a lot of different, it, even with the same people, you know, the same human being loving the same other human being, the way it feels can vary from day to day or moment to moment. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I wanted to ask you, and it, it sounds kind of woo-woo or something, but I wanted to ask, like, what is the actual experience of loving your kids like feel like to you? And I'll answer this as well. But like, does it feel like little moments of recognition or like a, a, a an acute experience? Or is it like you said, this kind of hum in the background? And so you started to, I guess, yeah. reflect on that. Well, I think because multiple kids of mine are not with me a lot of the time, mm. um, it's more it's more of the hum in the background, yeah. right? It's like the it's the it's the generator. <laughs> it's it's going. But I have some kids who are who make a lot of contact with me throughout the day, um, whether they live with me or not. And with them, there's more of like this like little touch points, little like, oh, I'm glad they're reaching out to me for this, or this made me laugh. And then I have kids who are much more independent. And maybe I only talk to them once every week or so, if that, and they're just doing their own thing. Yeah. I think that's one thing that's very different about young adulthood is when they're off sort of making their way and I'm trying not to get in their way, I kind of have to let like, I just have to kind of shift like downshift, yeah. I guess, and let it just kind of ride. And it's always there as a hum, but it doesn't, it's not getting in front of me yeah. the same way. It's not getting in my face, which is very yeah. different from when you have like an exasperating but adorable two-year-old and you're up and down between yeah. like, I can't believe they just wrecked the living room, but oh my gosh, they're so cute when they sleep. Like that's a very different experience yeah. of motherly love. Yeah. I was going to say for me, I think it does at this stage actually come in more um, like small moments of this, this feeling of like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. We just did that episode a couple of weeks ago about things we love about teenagers. And I have two teenagers and one tween. Um, and I do think there it's a, like, it's like a lot of mini ahas for me, not that in between the ahas, I don't love my kids, obviously. And I'm sure we'll say that throughout this episode, obviously the love is there, but, um, they are changing so fast it, right in front of my eyes at this stage that I do feel like it's more like mini lightning bolts sprinkled throughout a lot of mundanity a lot of just like you know the everyday mothering is very different than feeling motherly love yeah i think that makes a lot of sense as as they start to separate mm -hmm. and like have their own things and you're just not they're not in front of you the same way but you do get those moments of recognition like you mentioned the the like little lightning bolts or sparks or oh my gosh you're so amazing i also want to be sure that we um at least momentarily um talk about or touch on despair as a way of feeling love Ooh. disappointment as a way of feeling love like your kids will disappoint you that is not a secret if you have children over the age of six months they've probably already disappointed you in some way <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh like six months before it's six like months the they're perfect they're, yeah. well, no it's just that you you're just waiting yeah. like, they like you know they cross over you're like oh okay but so there's going to be that, but there's also going to be moments where they really mess up or you feel distant mm -hmm. from them or mm -hmm. they're going for a really hard time or yeah. you're disconnected from them or something they've done or something you've done. Like it, there's, it can be a fair amount of like pain really. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Deep pain involved with parenting. And there's, 
love connected to that. Yes. And it does not always feel like a my kid is awesome. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because also when your kid is in pain, going through something really hard, um, experiencing their own loss or grief or growing pains, um, even if they haven't disappointed you, it is it's a it's a big mess of emotions to sort out what it's like to love someone deeply and to know that they just have to they have to walk their own painful path. And I, I would imagine that just increases as they get older. Um, we have a little from seven months on yeah, from seven <laughs> months. on. Well, we're more able to be to hand, be hands on involved in alleviating pain for our smaller kids. And then the older the, they get, we're basically loving someone whose life kind of stinks for a while, whether it's of their own making or something happened to them. So yeah, motherly love is not enjoyable all the time, I think is the first thesis statement here. If you've ever read, have you ever read like any memoirs from moms who've written about losing a kid to like drug use or something like that, like to their own choices? It is some of the hardest reading you'll ever do because it's like, and, and there's lots of ways to lose a kid and we can't get into all that. That's not the topic of today's episode, but there are lots of ways to feel deeply disconnected or deeply sad for this person and not to be able to do anything about it. Um, and that could happen in small ways. Like it always happens, like no matter what your kid is going to struggle in life and maybe there's not going to be things you can do. And that can be really hard, but sometimes it's deeper and longer and more pervasive. And when they're really little, it's like, you might know you need to take a break from your four-year-old because they keep throwing temper tantrums, let's just say. And you're like, I need, I'm going to need to get some space from them. That's a very different experience than if you have a 14-year-old who doesn't want to talk to you at all, or if you have a 24-year-old who you have to separate and distance yourself from for a while for your own mental well-being. I mean, those are like very different experiences, and they're all part of this sort of crazy quilt, right? Yeah. Yeah, they sure are. Um, I also want to, for our listeners, especially those with small kids, want to create the distinction between loving your children and loving motherhood. Um, I think that could be like a whole book or a whole episode, but I think our podcast is actually more about the experience of motherhood than it is say parenting children. And I know we've, we've touched on that clarification before, but there are seasons of parenting where I think it's totally okay and normal and common to not love your experience of motherhood. Maybe something needs to shift or change in your schedule or your support system. Maybe it's just like not your favorite phase. And it is, I think it's really helpful for moms to disentangle loving their kids from loving, I guess, the like the practical realities of their season of motherhood. Those are two different things. And I think you can fiercely love your children and sort of hate your situation. And that's okay. That is, and I think that brings up a really, and I love that you made that distinction because that's so important. That brings up another thing that I think when you think about whether or not you like, enjoy, love, whatever, motherhood, sometimes when you don't, it's because the way you're defining it isn't right for you. Like, yeah. isn't true to you. So if, if what you think is for me to love parenting or for me to love motherhood, I have to be this kind of mom. I have to do this with my kids. Like I have to be engaged in this way. Sometimes a shift of that expectation can be what opens the key yeah. to loving it, yeah, to loving being a mom. Cause there's so many ways to do it, but sometimes we get really caught up in, um, 
someone else's definition, maybe, or a definition that's outdated. So it might not even be the stage or season of yeah. life you're in only. It might just be the way that you're doing it yes. wrong. And I don't mean that. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. You're doing parenting wrong, but you're putting the wrong expectations on yourself, maybe. Or yes, or you've allowed this sort of like, I guess, cookie cutter, like a standard issue, factory issue <laughs> version of motherhood that we've consumed somehow from the outside world to try to fit on top of you and your unique kid and your unique life. And it takes a few years sometimes to figure out that that doesn't have to be your cookie cutter. Um, I also, we are going to share some ways that we specifically feel motherly love toward our kids and, and that we feel love back from them. But the last little disclaimer or rabbit hole I want to go down, Megan, is I think the reason I bristle at even the phrase of a mother's love is that I think it is shorthand sometimes for a mother's martyrdom or a mother's sacrifice and this sort of presumed setting aside of ourselves because we love this baby so dang much. And I just think there's more to that story. It's not that, I mean, you and I both regularly make personal sacrifice because we are crazy about our kids and our families. And and so that is, yes, a part of the equation. But I think I don't like the assumption that because a mother's love is so fierce and is so unconditional, that that means the rest of our needs go by the wayside. Um, and I, I think that has been a pervasive message from, I don't know where, the, the society for a long time. Well, that and... It presumes as well that this is like a steady stream of feeling that never goes over any rapids or rocks right. or gets blocked up by anything else. It never changes. I mean, yes, there are absolutely times where I have that warm, fuzzy, sentimental feeling um, about family life and my kids and, and motherhood and and specifically mothering my specific kids. Like you said, those are all different things. I might feel amazing about family life and not so great about one of my kids yeah. at, or I might feel, you know, I love, I'm digging my role as a mom, but not super happy with all of my kids right at this moment or not feeling particularly loving toward all of them. Those things can all kind of exist together and it can be all over the place the way you feel it on the flip side of that. I've had, I've had people say things to me before besides the like, Oh, wouldn't you just do anything for them feeling I never know how to answer that. Cause I'm yeah. like, well, let me think yes. In theory, but don't hold me to that. Like, what are you asking of me? And then I've even had people say things like, wouldn't you just like shove someone into traffic, you know, out into traffic for your kids? And I'm like, that's very violent. <laughs> and I, I just don't think I need to go through life like that with that sort of, uh, I don't even know, like, is someone going to do something that right. I need Are, to Am I being traffic? presented with this hypothetical right, right now? Like is what kind of thought exercise thing? is this? Yeah. Yes, because sure. I mean, to save my child's life. Yes, I will. I will shove a stranger into traffic, but no one's threatening me right now. Right. It's just a weird, it's almost feels like a weird test or something. Yes. Like a proof. Yes, it is. <laughs> I do think, and I think it's particularly tricky when we talk to brand new moms and brand new parents, because we all know that we kind of get this, these uh, rose colored hindsight glasses. It's the wrong metaphor, but you know what I mean? Like things soften in the rearview mirror and it's very tempting to 
say things to brand new moms like, oh, the first moment you see them, you're just overcome with this love like you've never felt before. And there's a lot of superlatives and a lot of never before and never again. You would do anything. I understand where the sentiment comes from, but I'm suspicious of anything that tries to shortcut a mom's own learning of what motherhood and parenting looks like to her. And I think that's why I don't like it. So yes, motherly love is powerful. And no, you don't have to take the factory issued version that's being sold to you, especially if you're a new parent. You're probably not ever going to have to like throw anyone in front of a bus. I hope not. I don't think it's probably going to happen. And also that, yes, that immediate being overly, you know, overcome with love thing. I think it's been pretty much disproven yes. as a universal experience by this point. So if someone's still trying to sell that to you as like the way it always happens, I, I you don't have to look far to be like, no, that's not the way it always happens. And I would even say for me, after having five kids, it it's, was different with each one. Sometimes I felt very calm right after yeah. they were born. Sometimes I felt very, almost a little detached and euphoric. Like I was kind of in my own head or like proud of myself, but not really thinking about the baby very much yet. Like it's not even like one person is likely to have the same experience twice. It's just different every time. And there's a lot of things going on, like in your brain and your body chemistry that could affect that. And sometimes you just need time to ease in. Sometimes you just need a lot. There's a lot that can impact that. And like, I feel like we should know better by now than to, than to even keep perpetuating that. But of course it still gets perpetuated. It, it sure does. And yeah, uh, just as a reminder, loving mothers can still choose themselves. Sometimes they can still need a break. They can, like you said, take a while to bond with their baby. And none of that makes a mother not loving. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals. And Katie loved the herb crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. 
I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, well, we've established that the whole whole concept of motherly love is worth questioning. And uh, we love our kids, it turns out. So let's go back and forth, Megan, and share some, I guess, what we're sharing is the the specific ways we show love to our kids. Now, whether they feel it as love is that's the whole love language, like paradox, right? But this is how how we show up in love for our kids. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, this my first one won't surprise anybody because I've been talking about this on the show since the beginning. Um, I do stuff for my kids. Mm-hmm. I like to do things for my kids. I like to clean up after my kids, which I know is one of those things that can kind of be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Criticized, derided, whatever, as smothering or making your kids dependent or whatever. I just have always enjoyed it. I find that um, cooking and um, picking up and making the house comfortable and making their spaces comfy and making them feel comfy has always been a way that I show love that I then have to temper at times, but I genuinely get pleasure from it. That's the thing. When I talk about doing things for it, it really doesn't feel like martyring to me unless I've gone over some line Mm -hmm. that I sometimes miss until I'm grumpy about doing something that I usually like to do. And then I have to go, Oh, what's this all about? Right. Right. Yeah. Anything can have, it's always like a two sides to every coin situation. Like the best thing, the thing you love the most can become the thing that makes you maddest in the right circumstances. Yeah. But that is one thing I genuinely love to do to show love. Do you think that it feels, I'm sure it feels different now that they are capable of say, like feeding themselves if they had to, or doing their own laundry, if they had to, does it feel even sweeter now because they aren't literally dependent on you to do all those things? So it really, it's like a pure form of love. I'm just guessing. Yes. It, yes, for sure. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it feels like it's not obligatory anymore. I right. don't have to. So therefore I'm choosing to, um, and I, I'm also just not as overwhelmed by it. Like yes. there was a time when literally everything they did had to come from me. Now it's not like that. It's like, I get to kind of just insert myself into their experience in whatever way I want to. And right. it, it feels, yeah, it feels nice, but it also feels, um, better now than it probably I would say this is I shifted into the doing stuff for kind of mom when I had multiple school-aged kids that's yeah. when I sort of that was really when caring for the home environment started to take like center stage yeah. in my mind of like what I how I wanted to pour myself into it yeah like it's additive and it's supplemental it's not just keeping everyone fed clothed bathed and alive so that 
Child Protective Services doesn't come to your door. Like right. you're you're going it's like above and beyond or doing things for them in a show of love. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the first one that came to mind for me is I show love by paying attention to details, especially when my kids are talking. I think I'm a really good listener. I, I listen attentively and I remember and pay attention to details. Now, just like you said, with like the double-edged sword, I have to check this sometimes because not everyone receives that as love and it can easily um, cross a line into being meddlesome or nosy or um, just having too much, like caring too much about the details of my teenagers' lives that they don't need me to be um, remembering. So like an example, if, if a kid tells me they have a test, an exam in a class, I probably will remember if they're talking to me about it. Um, I love to listen to the details of their school lives. And I might remember the next day that they have a Spanish final in third period. And I sometimes have to check my impulse to then be super extra about like, how did it go? Tell me more, you know, because with teenagers that can, that can backfire. But Starting with the love impulse, just like you said, with caring and picking up and feeding, it really does feel to me like a way that I can show them with my with my memory and my brain that their world is important to me. Um, And anytime I can, you know, I can follow up or ask, how did that go or tell me more? um, That feels like showing love. Isn't it interesting? And and. I will say no surprise here. This is something Eric also excels at. Mm-hmm. And there you're totally right that there is a wonderful thing about being heard and listened to. And it can also feel oppressive yeah. at times. Like, do you have to notice everything? Um, but I'm going to guess that there are certain kid personalities in your home who really perk up and notice when you notice mm-hmm. and others who maybe either don't notice or are more likely to bristle a bit. I think so. I think it goes in. I, you know what I think it does is it that bristle response flares up more when we're just going through a phase of less connection anyway. So if a kid is, if a kid and I are a bit out of sorts anyway, they do not care and probably don't want me to remember that they have a Spanish final because we're kind of like at odds anyway. And there have been seasons like that. Or if I'm worried about a kid, if I'm worried about a kid's mental or behavioral health, all of a sudden, (laughs) all that checking in is not a good, it's not, it does not feel healthy. So I don't know if it's kid by kid. It actually seems more like it's mood by mood and season by season that if I, if a kid and I are in a relatively good place, then I think it's received well. Um, if that kid's going through a rough spot or we in our relationship are going through a rough spot, then I think it gets read as all those, like the flip side, the flip side of the coin. You know, I think this is really interesting because I don't think this is not something I'm particularly good at. It's something I strive to be better at. And I'm wondering if there's something about my inclination or my um, tendency to do like to Mm -hmm. be like I need to show love by doing and you're like less doing more being there or listening. Mm -hmm. I wonder if those two things can sometimes be at odds because there are definitely times where I'm like, I don't. In the, I don't say this, but I'm thinking, I don't have time to listen to you. Look at me doing stuff for you, yeah, which, yes. you know, is, and maybe there's times where, you yeah. know, for you, you're so in tune and paying so much attention that like then being needed to yeah. act on something could be annoying yeah. or feel like it's getting in the way. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that. 
All right. Well, I will share another way that I show love and that would be um, sharing my favorite things or my favorite activities, my favorite bands, my favorite movies, whatever it is with my kids. I will say this is a thing that is not always as well received anymore. I feel like there was a golden period when like they were super open mm -hmm. to me, you know, suggesting a movie or playing a new Broadway soundtrack or whatever, or, or being the one to pick um, the TV show or whatever it is. And uh, that is fleeting. I think it comes back in the older, like the adult kids mm -hmm. are more likely to humor me and then appreciate whatever it is I present. Yeah. I, I think with teenagers, it doesn't work as well. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I know. And, and some kids I think are really wired to like, whatever you like, they will not like. I, I, I have experienced some kids are like that almost their whole life. And then others, it's more of a teenage thing. Um, but I do think, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking that Luke loves to get other people into whatever he's into. So like he will share TikTok videos. He wants people to sit down and listen to a song with him. I just wonder if that's like a really cool way that you show love, like you, Megan, show love. But then, I mean, other people show love in that way, too. I wonder if some people are just more inclined to want their people to love what they love. It's like a, it is a connection point. So I love that you keep trying, even if your kids maybe don't always care. One thing I think I could do is shift to uh, letting them share their stuff with me more. That's something I'm not great at. <laughs> You're I, like, no, I thanks. Tend, this is a well, one way. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I will if it's like something I think I'm going to like, but I'm like, I don't really want to watch that anime or I don't really want to listen to that weird band or whatever it is. And I can be a little, sometimes a little, um, what's just not as open. Yeah to those experiences. And I think Owen really wants to share stuff. Like he's a sharer for sure. Yeah. And he's also the one into the weirdest stuff. So yeah. I have to just be like, okay, <laughs> you know, I think he's got like right now I'm enjoying his cat memes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he can send me cat memes. He can send me cat memes. Maybe he will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he will, but then you're opening a whole door. So just yeah. be prepared that that's like, you know, that's the gateway right. um, to a lot of other stuff that you're going to be very confused <laughs> by. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, my next one is that I show love by very occasionally letting my fun mom side out. And I think the fact that it is occasional is what makes it feel surprising and loving to my kids because I am more rule oriented. I'm more systems and routines oriented. It's not that I'm not, it's not that I'm grumpy all the time. But I don't I'm less spontaneous, as is well established on this show. So when I can and do surprise them by, I don't know, like just doing something Megan would do when I when I like, you know, nurture my Megan side and everyone comes home from school and I want to make them hot chocolate because it's chilly and drizzly out. Um, I think they they are surprised because I'm not normally like that. And so just the, like, mom, you're usually so grumpy. Yeah. Well, you're usually just the same. <laughs> Good old yeah. reliable mom, which has benefits to them, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, less surprising, less spontaneous. So um, the older they've gotten, I think the more work on myself that I, the more taking care of myself that I have done, the more I am able to do that. And I am able to surprise them in in little and big ways with something that feels fun and spontaneous. So I, I am enjoying that phase now. I think it came after a long time of feeling like, 
structure was the way to not be overwhelmed. And then it takes a while to kind of loosen that grip or I guess unlearn some of those uh, crutches or whatever. Like we've talked about, like things sometimes change, like what always was doesn't mean that's what always will be. And sometimes it takes a while for us to learn that, (laughs) to like learn there's a new thing happening and we can, we can relax or we can lean into it, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, my last, I had two more, but I'm actually going to kind of combine them together because I think that they're very similar. And the first one that I was going to do on its own was supporting their dreams, goals, whatever, no matter how random was the word I used. (laughs) Um, Maybe unconventional is more of the word that I meant. Mm -hmm. But then the next one was letting them be themselves. I think of myself as like a come as you are, low pressure kind of a mom. And I actually think those things kind of go together Uh because there's a lot of there's a lot of like a kid figuring out who they need to be or who they are that happens in the adolescent years and the young adult years. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means going down paths that maybe I don't really understand or that the outside world doesn't get. And like having the patience to let it play out and still liking who my kid is, even if they're not like meeting some outside standard, there's just a lot wrapped up in that. That's all about, it's not even just supporting their career dreams. It's like just supporting them, like letting them be who they are, even if that's an unconventional person, even if it takes them a long time to get where they're going, even if there's really weird derailments along the way. Um, And I do think that one of the ways I show love is just to kind of back off and let that process happen and not lose faith in them and still think they're great. Um, I think I'm very good at that. I I know we're going to talk a little bit more later about how all of these things can be a double-edged sword. Yeah. But for the most part, I do think it's a positive thing because it comes from a loving place. Well, I would actually argue it might be, not that we were going to rank these, but it might be the most foundational and most important way that you love your kids. And it is for sure one of the best ways you've like rubbed off on me because we are so different. And there have been times where you have said something to me like, well, this is it. This is like not your problem to solve. Like they're going to figure it out. And, um, I've seen you just live this way with your kids. And I think it is, it is love like full stop. So I aspire to that. Um, so my last one is that I specifically tell my kids when I'm having fun with them in the moment, it's like a verbal affirmation thing. I'm, I just have a regular practice of being like, I love singing in the car with you. Or like I, the other day, all three were in the car with me and that doesn't happen as much anymore. Cause I'm always driving one or two and not all three. And there's this like weird joy I have when it's me and all three kids in the car. And I know there are moms listening who have like three tiny kids and a minivan. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like that is not, there's nothing special about that, but it is actually special to me. And I think I'm good at verbalizing what's meaningful to me without making it like I'm not drippy and weepy or like making a big deal, but I think I'm good at naming how grateful I am for them and their moments together as they're happening. And, and I hope that, I mean, I hope they feel that as love. It's literally just like spoken words of love. I love that. I love the sort of, um, unselfconsciousness of being willing to just say, I like you like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I like you. I like that about you. That's something I think is great. Do you find that your 
kids receive it in their ages that they are now. I'm sure when they were eight, it was different or six. In their current ages, do you think that they receive it as you mean it? Do you think that there's a maybe a little like faux embarrassment, but underneath it satisfaction? I'm just really curious how that's received. I think they receive it fine. I think it's been so normalized in our family culture that there's probably a cringiness for sure. Like I'm not deluding myself, but I also keep those things relatively brief and I don't, there's no expectation that they're supposed to reciprocate or like say the right thing. It's literally just like me verbalizing a moment of gratitude or happiness. Um, I can actually be quite a negative person. So I think it's really important. It's an important learned behavior for me. And yes, I hear what you're saying. Like, I'm sure there is a cringe factor and I would never like do it in front of their friends or like make them feel awkward. Like they had to like say the right thing in response. But I think it's just been kind of normalized. Well, I like that. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Even if you did make it super cringe, I mean, we're supposed to, Yeah. you know, um, I just think some people are better at being really open about telling others that they, how they feel about them in a positive way. And for some people maybe who grew up in a more sarcastic background or where one, where things weren't expressed like that, it can be harder. And either way, it doesn't matter because if you say it to your kids and they think, and they're embarrassed by it, whatever, like we embarrass them all kinds of ways. Yes, all the time. We do. Yes, we yes. do. And, and we I, should. to be very clear, I am deeply self-conscious of other types of um, like verbal honesty, vulnerability, either with my kids or in other situations. So for some reason, this particular kind of just saying what I feel when I'm feeling it in words doesn't feel self-conscious to me at all. But that's vastly different than other types of conversations I encounter in my life, which don't feel that way. So just to be clear. I don't know how I like lucked out on that in this regard. This is the same thing, but I was thinking last year about how there was a probably a three or four month period where Clara and I just didn't have a lot to say to each other. Mm-hmm. Just I, I, to be honest, she wasn't a whole lot of fun and there just wasn't a lot. She wasn't not fun. She's never really been like a kid who acts out in any way. She's always been very sweet and kind, but it's just, there was not much there to grab yeah. onto, you know? And, um, I just got in the habit of telling her her bangs looked cute because it's oh, like yeah. all I had to say. Oh, that's all you had. All I had to say. And she spent a lot of time on them. Yeah. Like I would hear the hair dryer going yeah. in the morning. I knew she washed those bangs when she got up and oh. redid them. So I'd be like, oh my gosh, your bangs look so cute. And it started to feel so stupid, but it was sort of like a shorthand. Yes. Like I see you. I don't I know what you. else to say. <laughs> there you are. With hair again. It's really (laughs) profound and it's making me a little teary. So I love that. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay. Well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. 
In addition to their cookware and tableware, our place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the way our kids help us feel loved. Um, Sarah, what you got on this one? Well, I guess like... First, should we even talk about this? This feels like a landmine because we're we're totally centering ourselves in the situation. Right. They might not be expressing love and we're still choosing to feel it. That's exactly. Like, and yes. what I wouldn't want is like my kids, not that they're going to listen to this, but like I don't want them to have to change so that I feel loved. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. I feel loved when you pick your dirty socks up off the floor. <laughs> like that's not this isn't like this isn't really about that. But I do think it's very interesting to notice when we feel loved by our kids and how it changes over time. So yeah, let's, let's dive in. Um, I, I will preface this by saying all three of my kids keep their, mm, their more vulnerable sides, very close to the vest, close to the chest, whatever that phrase is. Um, I don't have kids who come home from school, burst into tears and say, nobody sat with me on the bus or I have a crush on this person. They don't like me back or my teachers mean to me. I have three kids who really are pretty tight lipped. And and that truthfully has been very hard for me as a mom, because I feel like I'm doing something wrong and they don't open up to me and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's the that's the background. When a kid gets even a little bit open or vulnerable or like shares a problem with me, I feel like I have won the love lottery because it's so rare. And that is what I want is for them to feel like they can and that they don't have to solve their problems by themselves. And um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think of a recent example, but anytime a kid can, um, I guess, share a hard thing is is the words I'll put around it. um, I feel very loved. I I love that. A. Um, B, though, I wonder if the reason they don't offer it has nothing. I'm sure. I mean, again, we're, we're centering ourselves and this 
has nothing to do with their intent. It has everything to do with our reception of what they're doing. Right. But I wonder if they just assume you'll get it out of them eventually anyway. Like if, because you're so proactive with asking questions, it might just be like, oh, well, mom will ask or You know what I mean? Like I could see that being not an intentional, like I'm going to block mom out of my life or I need to put up this big wall, but like, you know, we'll get to it. Yeah. Or that, or that if something were really a big emergency or a big problem that they, that they knew they would come, could come to me. And maybe it's that I'm craving the more like the middling, the the middling problems, you know? So yeah. yeah. How about you? Well, I added this one when you started talking about, um, when we just kind of started talking about the kids listening to the podcast that made me laugh because I don't think any of our kids listen to this podcast. No, and I don't, I, e- think. I think when they grow up, I don't think they'll want to. I've tried no, to I keep wouldn't. in mind. Would you? No, I would not. <laughs> no. I, I've tried to keep in mind that they could. And I think listeners know we're, we're pretty careful about what we share. And I, I think 97% of the podcast, I would be fine if my kids listened to over the years, you know, stories we've told yeah. and things we've said. Um, but I just don't think they're going to want to. No, and it's it, it's we don't have to feel bad about anything we've said, but that doesn't mean that they would be comfortable hearing it. Right. It's, exactly. you know, it's like very different. So exactly. anyway, what I was thinking is that I do feel a weird, like I feel weirdly loved when my kids like my Instagram posts, which Owen is always the first. He Aww. likes my Instagram posts like the minute they go immediately. up. Immediately. Immediately. I love it. Um. Or more generally refer to my work or it's not like I need them to care what I do. In fact, it surprises me that they do mm-hmm. or when they do, but they'll bring stuff up. Sometimes it's like, sometimes they make a little bit of fun of me. They'll make fun of something flowery I wrote or whatever. I've talked about that before. And part of me is kind of embarrassed. And the other part of me is like, oh, but they're paying attention. Like they know I'm a human being yeah, yeah. with my own life and this thing going on over here. And there's something about that where I feel like I'm not just a blur like a want want voice to them Mm -hmm. but a person that they're paying attention to and that does give me a loving feeling I think it should and I love I love that are all of your kids on Instagram now that they're all Uh, of age they've all been on or off Mm -hmm. at different points but right now Owen is just like us he's the big one yes exactly (laughs) on or off on or off and I'm more off than on at the moment but I still post things every now and then likes or sometimes they'll comment he doesn't ever comment on the post itself but he'll make a comment a little bit later uh-huh. about like what he would comment were uh-huh. he to lower himself to that and yeah. it's always kind of funny I love yeah. that. um well this one is has been a through line since they were tiny all the way up till now and that is I feel loved when my kids make something for me or write something to me um and I think the older they got so like in preschool and kindergarten and first grade it's kind of built into the 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 school, like they come home with a mother's day present or a card or, um, but as time goes on, it's less common. And still, I don't even care if Brian made them write me a birthday card or something. If they were forced to put a pen in their hand, I just treasure and love every little handmade thing and, uh, handwritten thing. And sometimes they surprise us. Like Luke, we didn't give the kids budgets this year to buy us anything or each other anything. We just we were going on a big trip. And if they wanted to, they could. But we didn't like we didn't fund it. We didn't um, subsidize it. And Luke like disappeared on Christmas Eve and on Christmas morning had handmade ornament Christmas tree ornaments for both Brian and me based on something we had done together 
in the year, like the, together. So, and I mean, Luke, I talked about it in our teenagers episode. He's just really, really creative and like a really good maker, but it was so surprising. And so it took a lot of effort. So anyway, I, I just, I treasure it all. I love that. I'm trying to think of the last time someone scrawled their name on something <laughs> to hand it to me. I mean, it, you know, at Christmas, like they kind of, they, they didn't make things, but they all, well, actually that's not true. Jacob carved me a necklace out of bone, but he's one of the unconventional kids that does things like that. Anyway, most of them didn't make me anything, but it felt good that they even put their name on something. Yeah. It was like, look, you picked this. Yeah. yeah. And you scrawled your name on a tag. Another way that I feel loved is when one of my kids seems to genuinely appreciate something mm-hmm. I did for them because I do things for them to show love. It's always nice to have that acknowledged. And, you know, that might be Owen will make a big deal about my meals. Like, I think Aww. he's just realized that's something I like and he pays attention. He's yeah. an attention bear. So he'll be like, oh, mom, oh, 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 you did yourself. And I know <laughs> he's kind of screwing around, but he there's a there's a tinge of genuineness yeah. to it that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Or, you know, if Clara notices that I picked something up off the floor and put it on her bed, whatever, like yeah. a genuine thank you. Or sometimes the older kids will actually refer back to things. I think we talked about this in a recent episode, like things that I did when they were younger, things they yeah. remember loving about our family life or whatever. And that feels like a thank you from the past. Totally. Um, and that make, does make me feel very appreciated and loved. I mean, it kind of, again, is one of those fundamentals that we do all this stuff. And when someone looks up and notices, it means a lot. It is. It's yeah. one of those foundational things. Um, well, my last one is not a specific behavior or action, but I, I was trying to think about this feeling when I get surprised and feel extra loved by a kid. It's usually when that kid steps out of their usual patterns and um, shows, like you said, gratitude, appreciation, affection, physical affection. But it doesn't really matter what the thing is. It's when it's unusual for that kid. So there's this special kind of like surprise that happens when your kid who never um, is physically affectionate just reaches out and grabs your hand, for example. I wouldn't feel the same like love rush of love if that was a kid who was constantly pulling on my hand. Right. It's like, it's the surprise factor. And so with each of my three kids, that's a little bit different. It might look like a kid opening up who's usually extra tight lipped or a kid, um, saying thank you and noticing something who never does that. But, um, I guess if you have multiple kids, they're all going to over time develop their own ways of showing love, showing affection. And it's the surprising ones that get me where I'm like, Oh, you noticed, or you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, anytime there's something that happens outside of the character that we have come to associate with their kids, which sometimes isn't accurate, like they're allowed to right. change and grow as well, but it, it it does get your attention. And then it it means a little bit more because maybe I think some kids are really good at figuring out how to make other people happy or like mm-hmm what gets the job done. I've definitely noticed that with some of my kids, like mom likes this. So I'll do that because I know, like, I just, it's like my ace in the hole kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. So when they do something different or when a kid who doesn't have that figured out, pulls something like that out, you're like, Oh wow. You really meant that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, I think that's, you, you nailed it there. It's, it's gotta be genuine because it's, 
out of the norm for you. So it's either genuine because you tried really hard or it's genuine. You didn't try very hard and it just spontaneously came out of you. But either way, it feels special. Yeah. Well, my last one and this one is just a word like a a glimpse into your future for moms of little ones who feel very smothered (laughs) by physical affection, physical touch. These days, when I get that, it is like gold. And it comes through in different ways. I mean, Clara will still let me hug her, but she's not running up and hugging me. Yeah. Owen will, I think, really likes it when I like come up behind him and give him a little, you know, back rub or something like that. I find like I do a lot of sidling up to my kids from the side and rubbing their backs like from the side and then like slinking away real quick before they can figure out what's happening. Uh, But he'll come up and give me like a like a very. extensive fist bump situation where there's like a bump and a bump and a, uh-huh. and there's a whole like a thing tactile. Yes. 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 And I'm like, Oh, look at you. You sought me out in order to make contact with me with my flesh. And it feels different and unusual. And it's very precious these days. And it's like the thing I had in spades when they were little. Yeah. Now when it happens, I'm like, Oh, yes. remember this little person that used to be all over me now doesn't touch me as much. And it's nice when they do. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that too. I'm in the stage where my last kid is physically pulling away, not completely like, but Violet was literally attached to me for so long, like so cuddly. And in the last year, it's like, I can't just randomly kiss her face all over. Like that would not fly. She will cuddle with me on the couch sometimes, but not always. And it used to be Always like if we'd watch a show, we had like a very specific way that we sat just completely enmeshed. And yeah, she's not as big a hugger. She doesn't want to hug the grandparents. She doesn't want to, you know. And so when it's your first kid doing that, you're like, well, there's some others following along who will snuggle me. But I'm sure it was for you with Clara. It's like when there's nobody behind, nobody else behind, you're like, oh, wow, this is a this is going to take some getting used to. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's it's a, it's very different, but it's still every now and then I still get a little taste. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look, yeah. Yeah. you haven't completely left me emotionally. Here you are. <laughs> OK, well, that was really sweet and quite emotional. I teared up more than once um, talking about the way we show kids love and the way they yeah. show us love back or the way we interpret what they're doing yeah. as love, even if whatever it's not. Um, I would love to talk about that double-edged sword that we sort of touched on earlier about how sometimes the way we're best at showing love can um, backfire, can be a weakness, can actually not do the thing we want it to do. And I'll I'll just mention like the low pressure mom thing, the thing about being very, um, being very accepting of my kids can sometimes mean I'm not having any expectations of them. And sometimes that is not loving. Mm. And that's really like you can say to yourself, but it feels loving. Like it feels like it's coming from this place of love. But the phrase loving someone well has Mm -hmm. come across my um, radar. And there's something about that that makes sense. Like, is it loving to do something that actually doesn't help somebody? Right. (laughs) Even if you have the the best Yeah. 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 Well, the one that came up for me that I touched on earlier, too, is that I am very attentive, attentive, especially with my 
brain, <laughs> my, yeah. my memory. So like we talked about that can slip over into really, um, I think making my kids feel spied on, not spied under on the microscope, not, maybe exactly, exactly yeah. under the microscope. I am not to be clear. I am not reading their diaries or invading privacy that way. But I think my ability to notice detail is a way that I show love and could absolutely make a kid feel under the microscope um, and almost like criticized, even if to me it doesn't feel critical. But we've talked about this, Megan, like in in partner relationships, like just having someone notice everything about you is not freedom. It's not um, it's not pleasant. And so I have become aware of that tendency of mine, which feels like love because I am remembering their favorite drink and remembering that they said they had a Spanish test and remembering that this one friend was going to bring them a, you know, like I, I, my mind is a steel trap that way. And I know that that can lead to them feeling like maybe they don't have their own autonomy or that I'm somehow judging all these details while just, I think I'm just noticing them. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we probably could pick apart every single, every single way we show love and coming up with the way that it's not always great. Um, But I guess I just think for me, the takeaway here is like from parenting older kids, I have just realized that sometimes the more loving thing to do or the more, even the thing that's better for my growth as a person, sometimes those things get tangled up together, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Can be just to, just to be open to realizing when either the kid needs something different or I need to give something different and that that's fine too. Like it might just be that just because I've always shown love in this way doesn't mean I'm obligated to always show love in that way. And maybe my kid actually needs more boundaries. Maybe they need more space. Maybe they need less oversight. Maybe they need less help. Like there could be a million ways this could play out, but there's like a dynamic. It's like a, it's like a dance that keeps going. Yep. And if we just get stuck in our, like, this is what I do to show you love. Why are you not receiving my love and accepting right. and, and appreciating? And why do I feel so burned out and martyred all the time right. or any one of those things? It probably warrants taking another look at. Well, yes, exactly. And something I have learned in therapy uh, <laughs> is that it's not all or nothing. I think it can feel like then we have to abandon who we are as a, as a mother who loves or who we are as a person or a personality. And that doesn't feel right either. And so a a phrase that comes up fairly often in my work in therapy is like volume control or dialing, dialing up or dialing down. And that's what I was hearing you saying is like, it doesn't mean that you um, have to abandon the parts of you that make you, you, but it does sometimes mean that you might dial down your caretaking instincts because a kid needs to whatever, learn to do things for themselves or something like that, or dial up something else. So that metaphor helps me sometimes when I think, well, but this is who I am. Like, why would I, I don't want to change who I am. (laughs) Yeah. And I think something I've noticed for myself is that sometimes it's just like one small shift makes a huge difference. So for example, um, where usually I would be inclined to just accept whatever my kids are telling me, like, this is them, this is their path, like they're on it and they're going to tell me and I'm just going to go, oh, okay, sounds great. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Sometimes just asking a question 
like, well, how do you think that's going to work when I don't, I'm just trying to think of what it could be. Yeah. Like, say it was a, a, a kid decides he doesn't need a job because um, he's going to live in DoorDash money for the rest of his life. Now, is this a real thing or a fake thing I just made up, Sarah? <laughs> I'll never tell you whether an adult child of mine thought they could live on DoorDash for the rest of their life because they were going to invest in crypto. I'm never going to tell you whether that's true or not. If or which kid or. I'm not going to say anything nope. more than that is a hypothetical uh -huh. situation that may or may not have actually happened. But anyway, you there's a part of me who wants to be like, this is their path, you know, man, like let them figure it out. It's great. And they're going to, you know, and all that's true. That is 100% true. But sometimes I'm learning that a question, a well-placed question, like, huh, well, what will you do if you wreck your car and don't have enough money to fix it? And now you can't make any DoorDash money. This is just an example. So sometimes just yeah. asking that shows, again, it shows I'm paying attention to them and it, it makes me pay attention because sometimes yeah. I do feel like when I get into that accepting of everything stage, I'm actually not listening to the fantastical um, webs they're spinning, <laughs> like castles they're spinning in yeah. the air. And I'm not really stopping to think like, is this even something they can do? And what's my responsibility as a mom to right. step in and right. say something? So that's one, that's one example. Yeah. And there's a million others. Sometimes it's a kid who is very needy and maybe I just don't respond to their texts as quickly. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the child. I'm not going to name any names or say if this is a real person or not. <laughs> but a kid who will text me from school as though they're dying uh -huh. and want me to immediately respond uh -huh. and creates all kinds of anxiety. What if I just waited a little bit right. Right. to respond? So sometimes, like you said, it doesn't, you don't have to change as a human. And sometimes a really small micro shift yes. can help move things in a different direction. Yes. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. If you ever want to shoot us an email and share your thoughts about an episode, we're hello at themomhour.com. We love to get your emails. And we love also to interact with you in the Facebook group, which we'll link up in the show notes um, or over on our Instagram page for The Mom Hour. We're at The Mom Hour. So Megan, I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. 
That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code The Mom Hour to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by the Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.